Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Yeah, you know, uh, frustrating. You know, obviously you deal with injuries in football. It's part of the game. But, uh, you know, you never really know what's going to happen. Uh, happened uh, Jacksonville last five games of the season. You know, unfortunately, I, you know, I felt like I was having one of the best seasons of my career. And I, I wanted to obviously help my team win win games. So just not being there and uh, being on the sideline was obviously disappointing. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, we've been rehabbing, been recovering, and, and, and feeling good. So uh, looking forward to this upcoming season. Eric Kendricks talking about how hard football is on mm-hmm. your body. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to this season. Don't gotta tell me. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Phil Mackey. What's Phil? going on? Mm-hmm. Um, let me say this about him, though. So, so like, I when it comes to Kendricks, for everyone who, who says, you know, Daniel Hunter is just quiet. He's not going to talk. He just doesn't like you guys or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I would call Eric Kendricks. A few years back, true. being a terrible quote, like purposely wouldn't say a yes. word, like didn't understand, like had clearly been told, hey, don't say much. And so he went over the top and and he was never hostile, but he wasn't enjoyable to talk to. OK, yeah, I'm not saying what he just said there is like, oh, my God, he's it's But you know what it is? It's an effort and it's a maturation that I appreciate. So, so like for all we rip guys who don't talk or who don't grow up. A guy like Kendricks is a great guy to look at because he didn't exactly cut open a vein there, which is absolutely fine. But you know what he gave you? A response. I've always found it weird when athletes don't use the media to their advantage. Like sometimes athletes feel like they're being attacked by questions. It's like, no, you you have a platform. Yep. You have visibility. You have a name. And regardless of what's being asked of you, you can spin it however you want. And the athletes that sort of figure out how to play that game. Actually, I heard a Michael Strahan interview a week or two ago, and he talked about this very thing, how at the beginning of his career, he was just like, get out of my face. You know, don't talk to me. And then he realized, no, I'm going to control this. Yes. I'm going to, I'll talk about football on this day. And then if anyone asks me about football on other days, I'm just going to talk about whatever I want. And maybe I don't feel like talking about football on a on a Thursday, right? right? But I'm going to I'm going to talk I'm going to portray myself to the fans and the public how I want regardless of what the media wants to ask me. And how smart and, is that? Uh, yeah. Like that's the move. He he's definitely found his voice in the last like 2 years. Right. And, and it, it's been a really good quote. A lot better. And he's done it because outside influences from life, so, so not Certainly. people, but things that he thought were important, he decided, I'm going to talk about them. Which So, so here's the conundrum, especially, it's true of sports, but especially in football. 
The conundrum is this one. You know as well as I do, Phil, that these guys are brought up by football football coaches saying, don't say a word. It's all about the team. Just don't say a word. Don't say a word. And a guy like Hendricks for most of his life was probably like, hell yeah, it's all about the team. And then he starts to like look at the world around him, right? And And he has interests and he cares about things. And he's like, wait, I've got this huge platform. And I can either talk about what I believe to be important that's on that platform, or I can talk about, you know, we're just going to go out there and give 110%. Uh, and I really appreciate the fact that he sort of at some point in time, because you know what? I'm willing to bet, this might be a harsh thing to say, but I'm willing to bet the Vikings internally, coaching staff-wise, so not the PR, not the the business side, but like the football football side, I'm willing to bet they don't really enjoy that, right? Like they would probably like if Kendricks just said, hey, focus on football, don't care about the world, focuses on football. But he decided, screw it. My, my focus is on lots of things. And by the way, I'm really good at football, which helps. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate the fact that this guy was smart enough to basically say, I'm going to start to do it my way, which is essentially what you said, Strahan said. And I'm also not going to be a puppet for like the people who say, just say you're out there trying real hard. Yeah. it's. I mean, think about, well, first of all, I agree with everything you've said about the evolution of Eric Kendricks. He has just become this wonderful player, leader. Um, I think he has whatever he wants to do when he's done with football, whether it's business or media, I think he'll have a number of different options. I mean, he's certainly active in the community. But think about how big of a waste it would be if in, in your 20s and early 30s, if you have this great platform and you don't use it yeah. to build a connection with fans and to be sort of the, the, the vocal leader of a locker room, if you're able to, right? If you're, mm-hmm. if you're a good enough player to. So it's been, it's been really fun to see the way that he has evolved. I, I, it's, it's a little apples to oranges because I think Eric Hendricks has a little bit of a brighter personality in terms of just like likability. But EJ Henderson was a little like that too. Like early in EJ's career, yeah. he wanted nothing to do with the media. Mm-hmm. He was super quiet. And then by the last two or three years until the devastating broken leg in like Ugh. 2009 or whatever year that was, mm-hmm. you know, he became sort he sort of realized, oh, okay, yeah, I've got, I've got a platform. I don't have to be worried about these schmucks, the Judds and the Phils. Like, <laughs> right. who cares what they're asking me, right? Like, I can I can talk about whatever I want to. So it, it's been fun to see Eric Hendricks grow into that. Bravo, though, into dude. that uh, role. Bravo. That's, what what that's to good. me for asking great questions to EJ or to Eric? No, for... to Kendricks. To Kendricks. <laughs> I I just appreciate I appreciate guys that get it, and it doesn't mean he's got to be really nice, and it does not mean that he has to talk about what we ask him about. But you know what he does now. He, like, gets it and responds to questions. And it, I was just watching poor Daniil do his Zoom a couple days ago, and, you know, he so didn't want to be doing it. And, <laughs> and that also, to be clear, does not make him a bad guy. But the point is, like, he just has no idea how to swing that towards him. Because it wouldn't have been that hard to subtly say some things where we would have said, oh, okay, cool. As opposed to, you know, the coaches tell me not to talk about injuries. I mean, the coaches have talked about it. Like, you can talk about it, dude. <laughs> Yeah, also screw the coaches, dude. Like you yeah. can talk about it's it's your body. You can talk right. about it. Hundred I mean, percent. Easy for me to say screw the coaches. I'm not I'm not playing for them. Yeah, yeah so, you're uh, not playing for Zim who might just come <laughs> in and start screaming at you while you're on the Zoom. Hey Mackie. <laughs> that is my worst nightmare. Like I quit football in eighth grade because they made us run too much and they yelled at us. I'm like, I'm playing baseball year round. Yeah. Screw this. Baseball. I'm not gonna you? I'm not gonna run around the field nine times with no water break because some fat kid can't beat the time. Not that I was in the best shape, but it was always like 
All right, everyone's got to run around two fields within whatever the time limit was, and if any one of you doesn't meet the time, you all have to run Why again. Is it's that? always Dumbest like three thing. fat kids. Dumbest thing. Why is that? Like what? Like what's the reason why some? And then you make that kid feel terrible too. It's like well, and that you kid, know, if, by the way, if he didn't beat it the first time, he's not going to beat it the no. second time. And that kid flat out shouldn't be playing sports. <laughs> Go find your school paper and rip the team. <laughs> exactly, it's the best idea. Uh, well, this is uh, this is your Friday episode of Mackie and Judd. We've got a rom com rewind on the horizon, but uh, we started doing this last week. We're going to bring you Feedback Friday. Really, so you guys are bringing it to us. Feedback Friday is all about uh, <laughs> scanning through the Score North YouTube comment section and uh, people who are tweeting us various things. Could be questions, could be positive or negative feedback. We got a little bit of a mixed bag here this week, boys. So let's dive into it, courtesy of our friends at the 3M Open. So I know there's a big golf tournament happening right now. It's called the U.S. Open. And uh, it's one of the big uh, four majors, right? But the 3M Open, in terms of local Minnesota golf fans, that's sort of that's sort of our, uh, I don't know, I guess pinnacle, if you will. All these top pros come into town July 19th through the 25th at TPC Twin Cities, and tickets are available at 3MOpen.com slash tickets. Open to fans. It's going to be a blast. Again, July 19th through the 25th, TPC Twin Cities, 3MOpen.com slash tickets. All right, boys, uh, GIMP6019 comments on the Score North YouTube page. Let's face the facts. Rocco has no clue about pitchers, and neither does the front office. They all need to be relieved of their duties. Matt H. says every single team in this town would fire everyone if their season went like this, including the Wolves. Rocco and the front office should be cleaned out after the season, not 100% committed to winning. 0-18 in the playoffs as an organization, enough said. So I guess just like summarizing these two, do you think multiple heads should roll because of this twin season? Oh, my God. There's a lot to unpack from from this, and it's early, so I'm a little bit tired, but I'll attempt. Um, It's early for you. Yeah. All right, so, (laughs) no, I don't think that you should. They made the playoffs twice, and and while I've never bought in – that when they went to play the Yankees in the playoffs in 2000 and what was that, 19, I never bought that the team could dismiss the previous uh, franchise's playoff losing streak because they're asked about it so much, and I think it starts to weigh on you. But, like, do I directly blame these guys for all 18 playoff defeats? No, they they made the playoffs twice. Um, I guess in order of who I'm having second thoughts about, okay? Like, who am I? Like, I don't know about this guy now. Number one on my list, Rocco. I'm just having second yes. thoughts. Uh, I don't know if, <laughs> I think he's tipped his hand, possibly, boys, on crisis management, which in sports is incredibly important. And in 2019 and 20, there, 2020 was difficult for everybody, but I don't know that there was an individual crisis for the team itself as far as, like, things falling apart. Uh, yeah, the common denominator was crisis. Yeah. There wasn't anything, like, too aggressive. Special crisis, right? There yeah. wasn't. So what he's done and how he's handled pitching at times, going back to the playoff games as well, he's the top guy that I think begins – the. I think he begins 2022, to be fair, if there is a season on a very warm seat. Like, he's not gone. But I think his seat is going to get warm. 
So uh, you don't think they let you think there's no chance. No chance he's fired. No chance he's fired yet, un- unless he decides I'm done, which I don't think he will. As far as the front office goes, Falvey and Levine, I am giving them a reset year. I mean, they came in here and redid things pretty well. Now, that does not mean I'm not concerned about the fact that clearly they have not developed pitching like we expected them to. So are there red flags? Absolutely. But I think if we're talking about one guy having a a warmer seat at the beginning of spring training 2022, it's Rocco. I do not think anybody is fired right now or after this debacle of a season. Yeah, there's the will they be fired, and the answer is no. Across the board, the answer is no. I'll come back to that in a second. Should some be fired? I am really down on Rocco as a manager. I just, and it's hard to know. I I think the things that we can see and judge are only like 20 to 30% of being a manager, like pitching moves and bullpen strategy and lineups and all that stuff. Like we can judge those with our eyes. Really the, the main job of a manager is behind the scenes and creating an environment through everything that you do so that players can operate as close to their 100th percentile as possible. And uh, through, through both of those avenues, I think he's fallen short, especially this year, obviously. I mean, all of the different pitching, and some of this is, is being driven by the front office, but when you are so afraid to leave pitchers in a third time through the order in certain situations, uh, when you regularly turn to Alex Colome and Matt Shoemaker well after they've proven that they can't handle certain situations, like it just doesn't make sense. But the guy that I the the guy that I have soured on the most is probably Falvey. He's a smart guy. He's a thoughtful guy. I think he's a good leader in a lot of ways. But he's been here for five years now, and they hired him because of his leadership, but also because he was part of the Cleveland Indians pitching factory. Yeah. And I know that they would say, listen, COVID derailed some of the development. Maybe Duran and Balazovic would have been up. Um, and that's probably true. Like a lot of those guys, because they didn't pitch in the minor leagues last year, maybe they had their growth stunted by a full season. But when you look around the rest of Major League Baseball, why Why is Chicago, Why are the White Sox, why is Dylan Cease dominating? Why is Michael Kopich, he's on the DL right now, but Michael Kopich is one of the best relievers in baseball. Like these young dudes are coming up. Cleveland continues to bring up young arms throughout the last five years. There have been exactly zero, zero Falvey and Levine homegrown starting pitchers that have come up through and been productive. Barrios was not drafted by this regime. He was drafted almost 10 years ago now by Terry Ryan and company. Um, And I don't know that he's necessarily, like, Barrios has just been kind of the same number two starter that he's always been, for the most part. So I, I don't know, man, like... I think I'm frustrated because the Polad family is like the least curious ownership group in all of baseball. They just, you know, they were going to give Terry Ryan a lifetime pass to be the general manager until he decided not to. It's like, well, that doesn't seem (laughs) there should be some level of accountability. Right. So if you're looking for an ownership group to just come in and just get rid of everyone in clean house, this is the last ownership group that's going to do that. So I think Judd's on to what they're going to do. They're going to they're going to just chalk it up as a reset year. Are you firing everyone, Declan? I'm not firing anyone yet. I, I'm very sour on Rocco. I, I'm i not ready to punt on Levine and Falvey. I think they're smart dudes. Um, but they were supposed to bring pitching guys, uh, pitching prospects here, and they haven't been able to do that. Um, they also have still, as much as some of these savvy moves have worked out, Michael Pineda's been a nice signing, they're still really doing the old-school Terry Ryan, hey, J.A. Happ, Homer Bailey, 
these guys that have something that they think they can tweak. Now, I, I, they have more information at their disposal for sure. They're not just throwing money at Ricky Nolasco's like Terry Ryan did in 2013 and then extending Phil Hughes for no, no reason. But there's still, I've yet to see, like, the outside of Josh Donaldson, which was a big signing, and they deserve a lot of credit for making that big signing. They've yet to really make that big impact pitching signing that fans have been wanting for for a long time. They also, one one thing now that because the team is so bad is coming back to haunt them as well, is they have also, when they're presented with opportunity at the deadline, yes. don't make moves yeah. to say we have an opportunity. I, I, I mean, the Sam Dyson year... <laughs> was the ultimate hubris of, well, in, in 2021, you know how good we're going to be? We can't trade mm-hmm. these guys now. Um, and, I mean, you know, Phil, going back to when we started the show and you used to talk about the Cliff Lee opportunity and the fact that the Twins wouldn't trade at the time, Aaron Hicks. Um, how often does a team hold on to prospects when it's got an opportunity to win and say, yeah, we can't trade that prospect. And that guy turns out to be okay or worse than okay. And you passed up a chance. I mean, that that Twins team passed up a chance. Dude, I was at that Twins-Mariners game, the first game on Monday of that three-game series. And somebody walked by in a Mariners Cliff Lee jersey. And oh, it just brought me it. back. Brought me back 11 years ago. Cliff Lee the was Twins, a, I like Cliff Lee a lot, by the way. The Twins, Sorry. in trying to beat the Yankees and get to the World Series, yep. drew a line and said, man, we'll trade you almost anyone, but not Aaron Hicks for Cliff Lee. I mean, imagine that 11 years ago. Obviously, you would go back and say, yeah, please take Aaron Hicks. And would you like another Aaron Hicks for <laughs> right. Cliff Lee? And because of that, you went into Yankee Stadium with Brian Dunsing going up against, I think it was like, I don't know if it was Andy Pettit or somebody. Yeah. Uh, but but what you just said, 2019, and I was just interacting with, uh, I think it was loyal uh, follower Sam Nord on Twitter yesterday, and he brought it back up. 2019, the Twins had the greatest home run hitting team in Major League history. And at the trade deadline, they made two moves, Sergio Romo and Sam Dyson. It's really inexcusable. And we, it was a yes. first guess on our part, too. It's like, dude, what are you guys doing? Be more aggressive. Get a starting pitcher in here. Do something beyond like a seventh inning reliever when you have the greatest home run hitting team of all time. So protecting for the future, I get it. You don't want to gut your whole organization. But look how many times the Twins have passed on chances the last 10 or 15 years to add a key piece that might that might cost you three of your top 10 prospects. You know, and gotta I'm, swallow hard. But if you want to win a World Series, that's what you have to do. And on Dyson, you literally got ripped off. Like, yeah. you, you made an inexcusable trade, and I, I don't know if it was a lack of due diligence on the Twins' part or what, but you got completely done. You got ripped off. And, you know, we can never forget the fact that in 2019, with a team that was damn good, you had to, I don't know why, but you did, had to start Randy Dominic at Yankee Stadium. Think about that for a second. Yeah. Like, you're a playoff team. Yeah. You've got an offense that is absolutely great, juice ball and all. I don't care, and and one of your starters. Now it was self induced, but you felt the need because I think Odo started Game Three at Target Field yep. to start Randy Dominic. And and again, first guess, we all said this is a disaster. Yeah, and it was, and it was, yeah, depressing. Uh, Tyler, let's see here. Uh, Cole Larson says reasons why I watch Score North on YouTube. One great sports talk about how Minnesota sports can win a championship before we all die. <laughs> and two, Phil's transitions to sponsors. Mm. Yes. Nice, man. Yeah. Very good. Very good. 
Yeah, Cole. Well, you know what, Cole? That's a great assist because I'd love to tell you, especially if you've got some business owners in your family, about Federated, okay? Because Federated's been around for over 100 years, based in Owatonna, and they are here to give you peace of mind, risk management tools and resources, and you can find out more, including a full list of industries Federated protects at federatedinsurance.com. Federated, it's our business to protect yours. There you go, Cole. Uh, Tyler Kaiser... Tyler Kaiser says, Phil, you are not a crazed Timberwolves maniac. Anthony Edwards is the one I wanted them to draft because his athletic ability is insane. But also, unlike Andrew Wiggins, he has that dog in him. And when he smells blood, he wants to kill the opponent. (laughs) Ant is legit and will be legit. So you guys looked at me very sideways when I told you. That Ant was Ant was a better version of some of these combo guards that we're seeing in the playoffs. Oh, right now. No, I felt like you were jinxing. You definitely it, tilted though. your heads. Yeah, uh, no, I did because I felt like you were jinxing it. I mean, the Timberwolves' history is filled. Yes. It's filled with the cliffs that come out of nowhere and we fall off of them. So it's not that Ant can't be great. I just feel like going down that path now takes us to a place where oh my god, he just tore something or something. Hey, I got a question off of the playoffs because we've been drawing a comparison and I'm wondering if our comparison is slightly off and if there's a better comparison for the Wolves. We talked about this a couple of days ago, which in short to summarize was why can't the Wolves be the Suns or could they be the Suns? And obviously the Suns went and got Chris Paul, who's, you know, been fantastic. Yeah. Should we be talking more about the Hawks? You know, the Atlanta Hawks. I, I were, would say Hawks or Hawks or jazz. Yes. Okay. Cause the Hawks or jazz, the Hawks were, when they when they fired their coach and went to Nate McMillan, the Atlanta Hawks, I think, were something like 12 games below 500. They were absolutely terrible. So, like, this was not a team that built up all year, and it's like now they're crescendoing. And I wonder if a team like the Hawks, yes, is the comparison for, and I'll say this very hesitantly, but why not the Wolves? Like, why can't they be like that? Because they certainly are getting the players – who could lift you? I mean, Trey Young's a great player, fantastic. But mm-hmm. the Wolves, it's not like they don't have good players now. Yeah, it, yeah the Wolves don't have – the closest thing to Trey Young that the Wolves have is D'Lo. But they're even – they're like, Trey Young is basically diet Steph Curry. You know, mm-hmm. he's like – his his ceiling is probably, you know, something less than – I mean, Steph Curry is one of the greatest offensive players of all time. Mm-hmm. But I think in terms of having – a young star guard, um, and the Wolves have two of them, in D'Lo, who's only 24, 25, and uh, an ant who has the higher ceiling. And then some some big men who can be like John Collins, guys that can get out, shoot, rebound. Cat sort of fills that role on a different level. Yeah, there's some pieces. And the Hawks, the Jazz, um, Donovan Mitchell is a really good player. He's not like a top three player. He's not a Kevin Durant, a LeBron James, a Steph Curry, where he's just, you know, Mount Rushmore of of great players this era. Maybe at some point. You have to look at those teams like the Hawks and like the Jazz. How can you put all these pieces together and and coach them up the right way, which it feels like Chris Finch is on that path, and get them to uh, at least start taking steps in the postseason? That's what's going to be nice as a Hawks fan, as a Jazz fan. Like you're watching these teams come together, take some steps. Probably going to fall short of winning a championship, but it gives you hope that they're like the the NBA and the Suns are sort of bucking this trend. But the NBA is such a step by step league. You don't just pop up out of nowhere and win a championship. You put in the work. 
you fail to make the playoffs for a couple years, then you get there, then you get swept, then you go back, maybe get beat again, then you get to the second round. It's like every step is this methodical like learning experience. And the Wolves just have to get in the door. Like they've got to get to the point where they can start learning cuz it's it's one thing to finally get to the playoffs for the second time in 17 years or whatever it's going to be. Like that's been a hard enough rock to push up the hill. Right. But the harder rock to push up the hill is once you get there becoming a team that can win a championship. Mm-hmm. And at least the Hawks and the Jazz and the Suns have expedited the whole thing cuz Chris Paul's amazing. At least they're on that. They're they're in the next level of the video game, so to speak. Right. We need the Wolves to get to that level of the video game so they can start taking those playoff lumps. Yeah. Um, I think that's a wrap on Feedback Friday. We went pretty long with that Twins one, and I don't regret it. Yeah. Oh, we can, anytime, yeah. Anytime yeah. we can cut open a vein on this Twins team, they deserve it in 2021. Enjoy a weed-free summer at the lake, courtesy of Aquaside. One easy application of Aquaside pellets can eliminate weeds and lake muck. Aquaside has been trusted by hundreds of thousands of lake homeowners since 1960. Neglecting aquatic weeds can hamper recreational activities like swimming and boating. Lake weeds can also provide breeding habitats for insects. Make your lakeshore beautiful this summer with Aquaside. Call 1-800-328-9350 or go to Aquaside.com. Yeah, you can always hit us up. Just leave us. We check the comments on the Score North YouTube page. And uh, we're always on Twitter and Instagram, too. So hit us up. If you have something for Feedback Friday, let us know, and we'll incorporate it into uh, next week's show. But now for the main event, gentlemen. <laughs> per Judd's request, we have made the Mackie and Judd movie review pivot back from Action Movie Rewind to Rom-Com Rewind for a late No 90s regrets. No regrets. No regrets. <laughs> I had a gut feeling you would be online now. Hi. I can give you advice. I'm great at advice. If only you could help. Ooh. Is it about love? Please say no. <laughs> no? How cute is that? My business is in trouble. Huh. Well. <laughs> I'm a brilliant businessman. It's what I do best. What's your business? No. Mm-mm. No specifics. If you thought these guys spent every waking hour of their lives doing manly things like watching sports while yelling at their TVs, shaving with straight razors, and revving their V8 truck engines, well, yeah, think again. It's time for Mackie and Judd to turn in their man cars. This is Rom-Com Rewind. Obviously, this is very manly. I I only know him through the... uh... You're not going to believe this. Oh, let me guess. Through the internet? Yes. Hmm. You've got mail. Yes. Those are very powerful words. Oh, hello. Hi. 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 Do you remember me from the bookstore? Of course I remember you, yes. (laughs) Hi. Hey, how's your aunt? (laughs) <laughs> She's great. Yeah. I better go deliver this. Uh, I have a very thirsty date. She's part camel. Joe, right? <laughs> Joe, isn't it? And you are Kathleen. Kathleen, <laughs> Kathleen. Oh, it might be my favorite line. I've got a very camel. thirsty date. She's part, part camel. camel. <laughs> That's old school, Hanks. <laughs> yeah, it is. 
Oh, man. All right. Welcome in to Rom-Com Rewind, everybody, where we do well, we do deep dives into three different genres of movies, action movies, sports movies, and rom-coms. And this one is a late 90s classic. It's the third installment of Tom Hanks' Meg Ryan, Joe versus the Volcano, Sleepless in Seattle, and now You've Got Mail from 1998. Is this the last one? I Yes. I think so, yeah. Okay, thank you. I, Joe vs. Volcano is one of my least. I saw that last year. So not a fan. Not a never fan. seen it. Not a Still fan. Don't recommend it. it. Okay. All right. So we won't include yeah, it here don't. in Rom-Com Rewind? Please okay. don't. All right, here's the summary. Torturous. Struggling boutique bookseller Kathleen Kelly, played by Meg Ryan, hates Joe Fox, played by Tom Hanks, the owner of a corporate Fox Books chain store that just moved in across the street. When they meet online, however, they begin an intense and anonymous internet romance, oblivious of each other's true identity. Eventually, Joe learns that the enchanting woman he's involved with is actually his business rival. He must now struggle to reconcile his real-life dislike for her with the cyber love that he's come to feel. 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. Critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes says great chemistry between the leads made this a warm and charming delight. $65 $65 million budget turned into $251 million at the box office. Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah. And some other actors and actresses that were vaguely familiar. Uh, this movie was directed by Nora Ephron, the late Nora Ephron, who also wrote Sleepless in Seattle and When Harry Met Sally. So she is a legendary rom-com director and writer. She directed this movie and uh, also Sleepless, and she wrote When Harry Met Sally. So... All right, we'll start with Judd Zolgad. What was your key takeaway from You've Got Mail? Okay, I've got uh, two. The first one will be quick. This was clearly the payoff for the fact that Sleepless did not have the main characters together until the very end at the Empire State Building. Right. Because, like, there was the chemistry there was sort of like this from, you know, through other people. And so this was clearly that, which was, okay, these two are great together. Um, yeah. So let's pay it off, which they, well, they did. And Nora Ephron, actually, she's quoted as saying that she considers this the sequel to Sleepless in Seattle, yeah, that's even accurate. though it's like not the same. Right. It's not the same characters and whatnot, but it's sort of like the it picks up and puts them in the same scenes together. And that yeah. gets to me to my most important takeaway. All right. Tom Hanks. Love him. Yeah. Like people love him. He's Tom Hanks. He proved himself in the 90s, especially. To be one of the great actors. But the character of Joe Fox is one of the worst human beings that we (laughs) have seen in our... Mm. You know what? I'm going to expand this. Action movie rewind. (laughs) Rom-com. Wow, dude. Joe Fox is a ass. He is a terrible person. And, And to be fair, the Kathleen Kelly character is an idiot. I mean, an idiot. She's beyond dumb. But Joe <laughs> Fox, my God. And the you know what? And I'm, I say this in all seriousness. The only reason why, like, the chemistry worked and, and why I think people probably, well, ultimately the financial windfall proves it, loved this film was because Hanks is Hanks. But he was playing scum of the earth. Like, this guy at every turn serves his own That's- agenda. He serves his own agenda. He does yep. everything for himself. He yep. is a uh, he is um, a, a rich mogul. Um, you, you know who who's the perfect 
character in this film as far as be, because he's a great slime bag, Dabney Coleman, who's Hanks' dad. Okay. So Joe Fox's dad. What's his background? What's Well, he, he just plays a good a, he plays a great slime he's, on, he's on a he, yacht. He yeah. was the boss going back to the 80s in 9 to 5. Uh, he's just a really, he's good at that. Tom Hanks tries, but he really can't be a slime ball, but the character's a slime ball. That's my takeaway. So I'm going to elbow in here because I can see Declan disagrees with you. And I just want to double down on what Judd just said before Declan chimes in to disagree now with both of us. I'm going to read you from my notes that I was taking last night. Okay. Joe Fox. My main takeaway is Joe Fox is one of the most manipulative and deceiving human beings you will ever come across. Yes. So let's let's just start with the fact that he didn't reveal his true identity the first time he visits Kathleen's bookstore, right? Like before he even figures out who she is in relation to their online discussions. He's being deceitful from the very first time that they meet, right? He doesn't want to he doesn't want to reveal that he's Joe Fox, Fox Books, and he's going to take out her little shop around the corner, okay? <laughs> yes. But then so he sits down at her table at the coffee shop when he realizes, "Oh my god, this is the woman that I have been chatting with online and I've made this connection with and he proceeds to spend the next half hour of the movie knowing that he knows who she is and she doesn't know who he is and he manipulates and deceives her and gives her advice on how she should be communicating as it turns out with him he shows up to her house with flowers after he puts her out of business meets her for brunch and and coffee lunch dates to like I said discuss everything they've been talking about yes Um, and I think I guess my question off this is, would you guys, if put in that same situation, where, like, would you leverage the power and knowledge that Joe Fox had after he found out Shop Girl was Kathleen Kelly? 1,000%. Yes, yes, yes. That is hard, yes. And then keep it up? Yeah. But, I, I mean, he's rich. You, do you know how many people are probably after him look, for a relationship? By the way, I've done some digging on how rich he may have been, and we'll get to that at nice. some point here, too. Look, he's definitely a suit, and when she calls him out for being a suit, which is a great, great scene, um, that's accurate. He's, he's, he's definitely corporate. He's definitely corporate. He's, he's a little manipulative. I get that. A little? A little a manipulative. Little? A little manipulative. I love him. I think he's great. I think he's absolutely great in this film. And I think my, my main takeaway, number one, is this is an adorable film. Like that, that, that is exactly Which is what I they wanted down. people to It's think. an adorable film. Because it's Hanks. Yes, it's an adorable little cute film. I, it, okay. it is a very classic rom com. Let's replace Hanks with Michael Douglas, oh, that, Douglas. that guy. Because yeah. that's the character. Oh, yeah, I'd be a little slimy. He'd be, that's the character. You would hate him. Yeah, I yeah. would hate it. You're right. Hanks puts a charming spin on yeah. a, terrible, a terrible human being. Uh, Michael Douglas just comes off as a terrible just, human being. Yes. Yeah, as a terrible dude. Place. But I mean, yeah. that character was was like almost based on characters that the, Douglas and guys like that had played. The scene yeah. in the grocery store where he convinces the girl, the the checkout woman, to use the credit card for for her. Brilliant! I dude, thought that's if, brilliant, dude. If you ever saw that interaction in person, some some white guy comes over. And he's talking to a person of color in that condescending of a tone. You would have just been, you would have probably been taken aback and said something. But because it's Tom Hanks, it's Joe Fox. Like, no, dude, so entitled. Uh, All right, Declan, uh, what was your main takeaway? Yeah, my main takeaway is it's an adorable film. I think it's a great film. This is the first time I've ever seen this movie. I've never seen any clips. I've known of it, but I've never, uh, never seen it before. Uh, I loved the early editions of AIM and AOL Instant Messenger. Oh, I yeah. grew up we'll with AOL, that. and I know we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so seeing that in 1998 is kind of funny. 
I thought it was really cool how the movie kind of blends perfectly with that weird animation. And I'm sure in 1998, that must have been the bee's knees of like graphic animation and to how they like transition it to then the real to like to, to, to a real camera and stuff. I thought the opening yeah. scene was really, really cool. I, I enjoyed this movie. I really, really enjoyed this movie. And I don't think Tom Hanks is that bad of a guy. He's a terrible human being. I don't think he's that bad of a guy. I would have done the same well, things. Tom Hanks seems like a great human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe, yeah. Fox. Joe, Joe Fox. I was at Colvin yeah. Wise last night. He puts her out of business. I, I know a D-bag when I see a D-bag. I, I, don't, I don't think he's much of a D-bag. Oh my wow. God! He's a huge. You like your D bag, your D bag radar. I have good. Little, I have good D bag. Dude, good he has no radar. problem with putting her out of business and then still trying to essentially sleep with her the entire film. Yes. And by the yes. way, she is a well, moron again. So yeah, we'll get to all that. So Joe, what was your favorite part about You've Got Mail? Um, my favorite part was the part where, and you, you brought this up. Uh, the scene in the coffee shop slash restaurant when he knows who she is and she does not not know and somehow can't figure out when he drops all the hints of you've got mail and she's still like, oh, uh, how'd you know? Um, but that scene itself I thought was great. Meg Ryan in restaurants is fantastic. <laughs> she was great with Billy Crystal. She's great here. But the angst between the two, the angst between them in that scene Shows the chemistry as well. And and I did think, to Declan's point, I did think the key to this film, because it really did have shortcomings and I thought it was too long. Yep. But the thing about this film that I really liked was the fact that that chemistry was so strong. And that scene itself was, I thought, really good. And because yeah. it was good, it was, in in a lot of ways, sort of realistic as well, too. So that scene encapsul- it encapsulates, I think, uh, for a large part, what I liked about the film. So I, let, let's just get right into the into the AIM discussion here, because my my favorite part about this movie, and, and I, technically it wasn't AOL Instant Messenger. They were just emailing each other, I believe. No, but there's, um, there's a little bit of AIM. There's yeah, a little bit of AIM. They, yeah, they break into scene. it. Okay. They, yeah. they, cross, they cross a line by going to it, I think, when yep. she okay. is she is. Oh, you're online him. right now. And, yes. they, and they mentioned that they met in a chat room, and that's how they then started emailing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I would say my favorite part of this movie is just the nostalgia of late 90s, early 2000s <laughs> internet, yeah. messenger. I mean, you think now we take for granted, and who, you know, who could have foreseen just how many ways we have to communicate with each other now? I mean, you can, sure, you can call someone, you can text someone, but you can also communicate with people on any number of social media platforms. You can send direct messages, public messages, um, email. I mean, just it's, it's almost overwhelming the number of ways that you can communicate with someone now. Um, and back in the late 90s, we were just getting into people going on the Internet. And instead of people using their real names like they do on most of their social accounts and Facebook, they all had screen names, and some of them were not like Shop Girl and uh, whatever Tom Hanks was, New York one Twitter like sort of, you know. Something. Yeah, now, you had your handle. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, AIM screen names were like your handle, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, I know Declan, you used AOL Instant Messenger. Oh yeah, was a, back in the was day, a, right? Was a big move. There was even times where I would leave when I didn't have a cell phone. I would leave an AIM message. I would leave my AIM as my oh what your your away message? Like no no no. I would use my AIM username instead of giving out a phone number. Oh, oh so you meet someone? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's absolutely. Yeah, that was absolutely in play. So as a so I was born in the mid '80s, and so I was in junior high and then early high school when AIM was huge, mm-hmm. and you know most people had dial up internet, so 
if you were to go online for a period of time at night, like it was, it was a big deal because you're essentially shutting off phone communication in your house for your parents and stuff. And I was always given permission to go online between like eight and 10 PM, try to keep it to an hour somewhere in that window because it's late enough where like no one's going to try and call the house most likely. And we would be wrapping up the day at school. And if you had a crush on somebody or if you, you know, your buddies or whatever it was, the question when you were leaving school is always, what time are you going to be online tonight? Mm-hmm. I believe always. You're you going to be online tonight? What time are you going to be online tonight, right? Shoot. And I, with Dex, you, you, you would more often give your AIM screen name to somebody yeah. than you would a phone number in the late 90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, little off-tangent conversation, but the way I fix so uh, Judd will, won't know this. I'll explain it a little more. But when So WWE wrestler Eddie Guerrero. Uh, he died actually here in Minneapolis, a famous WWE superstar. He had a heart attack, I believe, at the Marriott hmm. um, at a ho- local hotel in Minneapolis the day of a, of, a, of a SmackDown taping. And the reason I figured out he died was because I was sleeping in bed, sleeping in at like 10, 11 a.m., and my, I had a computer in my room, and my AIM was blowing up, and my best friend was trying to wake me up saying, holy crap, dude, I've been trying to call you, and you're not answering, and... It was my AIM saying Eddie Guerrero is dead. So wait, were were you asleep at this point? Yeah, I was. I was sleeping. It was the it was the morning of. Like I was but sleeping. Were, were you the... on dial up then, or how? No, how no. Was this it... was this was two thousand five. So this oh, was this okay, was okay. Because yeah. I I want to get to yeah, that. Yeah. But but, uh, yes, but okay, I mean, but sense. we had dial up. I remember that very vividly. Um, and my AIM was Deckman G two. Actually, it's the same handle I have for my my normal email now. My dad thought. Uh, it was good for a second grader to have an email account. So he thought Deckman, which was a normal nickname in my family, and then put G for golf, or no, G for grade two. So Deckman G2. <laughs> oh, grade I thought it was two. just Deckman Goff, and nope. then the two was Deckman, like your baseball number or something. G as in grade two. That is oh, literally hilarious. how the origin of my email is still to this day. At almost thirty years old, <laughs> Deckman G two from oh my grade God, two. So was that your only aim screen name, yeah, or did you that have multiple? My, that was my only one. That was my only one. I had a few of them. I had a few of them. Yeah, and we had to, they own and they recently destroyed AIM's finally done. Like, I think like only three years ago they finally killed it. But I had to bring it back yeah. when I worked at the St. Paul Saints. Um, Sean Aronson. That's how we communicated during broadcast when I was back in studio <laughs> and he was at the ballpark. He was, not I, like G Chad no, or literally. I remember, literally I remember him else. very vividly saying, "Hey, do you still have Slack. AIM?" And I was like, "Dude, like I haven't used AIM in like sev- six or seven years. I'm 19 at this point out of college." He goes, "Well, like that is my main preferred communication during broadcast. You have to like text <laughs> me or send." So Sean, Sean used Sean. AIM up until it literally goes away. <laughs> That's great. Away. Poor Sean. He must have been so sad like three years ago. Yeah, I, just like I, the, I thought the of way him, that he's been communicating for 20 years. Yeah, I, I think gone. of talking to teenagers as, as on AIM, and I think of Sean Aronson at the St. Paul Saints, my uh, two most fondest memories of AIM. So Dawn still has our, our original AOL email. She still has it. Like, she uses still, it. She still uses it? She yeah. still uses it. Oh, Ra- I mean, Rami, Rami's had an AOL email address. Still does, but yep. you should see the looks that you get now. If, if it's you my give, spam account. But if you give a person, if they ask for your email account and you give them your AOL email account, the looks that you get are hilarious. You also, I think like, some people huh? like Doogie. Doogie has a Hotmail yep, email Doogie account. Doogie has Hotmail. Yeah. I can't believe that's, that's old school. Thing. Yeah. So my my aim screen names. I had three of. I think I had a bunch more, but the three that I remember. Um, our fielder, so my, my number in sports and baseball was 21 and I loved Sammy Sosa wore 21 and Kevin Garnett wore 21. So I love the number 21. So, uh, our fielder 21, cause I loved Sammy Sosa and he was a right fielder who wore 21. So our fielder 21. 
And then uh, Long Ball 21 Mac was another AIM screen name. And uh, I also was my more anonymous one, if those weren't anonymous enough, was Master of Lingo. Wow. Just pop in. Just pop in. Because you could like people weren't it, people weren't usually Declan Goff. Yeah. Judd Zolgat. Right. It was right. you would get these instant messages. And this was kind of the fun of it when you were in high school and you're just starting to date. And, you know, <laughs> and uh, you would get these messages from people that had, you know, sparkle eyes, 45 or something. And you'd have to figure out, okay, is this person who they say they are or is it – and we – my friends and I would do this sometimes. Or is it like one of your buddies trolling you right. with what – and they're pretending to be a girl that you have a crush on in school or something. And so there's always the drama of figuring all that out. Let's get to dial-up, okay? Because this film misrepresents dial-up by a lot. It's ni- <laughs> okay. First of all, it's 98 Yep. I don't think there was anything. In, in fact, you, you can see the phone cords plugged in. Yeah. Now, they've got laptops, but they're they're plugged in. Okay, that's fine. But let's talk about speed, and let's talk about the fact that these people never get knocked offline. Like, inevitably, unless you, I think, it, unless you blocked calls, which you forgot to do at times. If you went, if you went dial up, you would get knocked offline. The other are you, thing are you, is, are you saying this movie would have been better with like a five minute there. scene of a, of a frustrated is, Tom I'm Hanks trying to get back online? The youth of America did not is not getting the full view of ninety eight dial up internet. The other thing is, is you also do you remember at times how slow it, it would move? It would bog, oh, yeah. it would bog down big time. And like I love how like they literally look. In these scenes, when they're going back and forth, like they're on an Ethernet connection. Yep. Like, oh, yeah, hey, what's going on? Hey, how are you? You know, I'm just going to go to this website and that website. Anyway, misrepresentation of dial-up beyond belief right there. What we're, okay, since we're down this rabbit hole of late 90s Internet, (laughs) um, what year did you guys get Internet? And maybe Declan was too young to remember, but what year did you guys get Internet? And then what were some of your early, and I, I shudder to ask this question to Judd, what were some of your early internet habits or sites or go-to things? Like what, what, what oh, made I can you excited to go on the internet? Oh yeah. So I, I remember, I remember it started to become a fad or impopular um, in like 94, 95 ish or so. And you'd start to see these ESPN ads for their, their site, which, which then became of course, when they tried to get their own brand, the go network. Um, yeah. I, so we moved from our apartment in St. Louis Park off of 394 to Eden Prairie in 96. And I want to say we got a computer. We didn't, I don't think we had a computer before that. We got a computer around 96, got online internet wise with dial up around 96 or 97. And there, there used to be a, I'm trying to remember now it, there was ESPN, but there was also a gener or a general sports site that was really pretty good at the time. Cause like you didn't have all of these offshoots yet. Was it sports.com? It, it was just something it was like, like those, those it was are like seriously the something that you like go that. To. It was seriously something like that. And but I remember before when when we still lived in our place in San Luis Park, I remember saying to Dawn at the time, can you imagine like being able to go online and get scores and get stories? And she's like, oh, I'm sure that's great. Um, I also when I worked at, at the Strib. So keep in mind, from much of my time at the Strib until the mid 90s we had a really comprehensive computer system but you weren't like online it it was ap stories were coming into it 
and and you would get score updates, but you wouldn't get like you couldn't follow scores. So in about ninety ninety five or so, I bought there was a contraption that was a essentially a sports pager. It was the greatest thing. Okay, so what, so like the twins would score a run, and it would just your pager would go off, and it would just show the updated score. You could or? get score. So the pager came. I sent away for it. I paid for it, obviously, and you could follow scores. That they would update them like a ticker, inning by inning. And so, like, I could pull the pager out and see all the scores, and it would, like, have sports news, just briefs, just, you know, small briefs. But the point being is, like, it was thrilling to have this, and and now you would laugh so hard it's not even funny. I remember something similar existed in the early 2000s, like 2000, 2001 was right around the time where I got my first Nokia cell phone. Mm -hmm. And, And they didn't really have apps, but they had a link. They had a couple different links for like you could there's primitive versions of websites, but then there was a sports ticker link. Yep. And I remember just you know, Buffalo High School kid. <laughs> I remember being at winter sporting events like hockey games, watching Buffalo. And then I would have my Nokia phone out because the because the Wolves would be playing the Kings. And you just all you would see was Timberwolves, 87, yep. Kings, 86, That's, yes. Kings, 88, Wolves, 87. It's, I'm just sweating this random I have no idea how they scored or anything like that. Um, my so we got internet for the first time that I remember in like '96. I started on Instant Messenger around '97, '97, '98, like in junior high. And the first three or four websites or things that I was just obs- I couldn't wait to get online. eBay. I, co- I collected, like, wrestling memorabilia mm-hmm. and things, so eBay was amazing. And I would buy, like, well, I would buy. I had a, an allowance, and then eventually in high school, a part-time job. Uh, but I would look for, like, old sports T-shirts and wrestling memorabilia. and <laughs> auto- You could buy autographs, and who knows yeah. if they were real or not on eBay. And so I was always on eBay just looking at, oh, my God, uh, sports cards and stuff. Yeah. Um, I also found, and I think it's defunct now, but there was a guy named Sean McAdam who sold old wrestling tapes. Like he would, he and which is illegal. Yes, <laughs> but but the internet wasn't really regulated to that point. So you, could, if you wanted like old eighties Smoky Mountain wrestling with whoever, like Ted DiBiase oh, could, or something, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, he would literally sell you like you know three hours of of footage from those from those old days. That was. Do fun. you remember the price? The approximate price? Um, I don't. More expensive than like buying a regular VHS. And again, these are, these are things I would ask for for like birthday presents okay. or Christmas or use my allowance on. And then the other two, so Napster got huge in yep. like two, 99, 2000, downloading songs illegally. And uh, But the number one thing that I love to do early internet days, ESPN.com, starting in like 1998, they were like 15 years ahead of the Daily Fantasy craze like what you see on DraftKings and and FanDuel they had uh, virtual general manager VGM and you could do it for baseball hockey basketball and it was all play money but you would essentially compete with all these other people around the country on a nightly basis and then for the season putting together lineups that were going to perform the best that night and you had a salary cap to work within so you could go get like I remember in the late 90s or like 2000 you put together a basketball lineup and Kevin Garnett's playing the Warriors, so you know he's going to go off for 25 and 19 and five assists and not miss any shots. So you'd stack with, like, 
expensive KG, expensive Chris Weber, and then I need a cheap point guard. So I'm going to go Jamal Tinsley with Indiana because he's going to get nine assists, you know. Right. And so, like, I was I played those VGM games all the time for like three or four years. 1998. You know, I don't recall those at all. So much. Fun. I don't recall yeah. those at all. The the only thing I, I recall is the initial ESPN design was just so awful. Oh, terrible! And like the columns would be like really small spaced, and yeah. and it was so it's challenging to read them. And yeah, like it, it's that, like yeah. it took them forever to to get like it's like just put some space between the yeah. paragraphs or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, all right. Earliest internet memories I remember. I mean, I remember the dial-up tone. I remember all that. We were also one of the first families that upgraded DSL, right? That was like the yep. first yeah. like yeah. upgrade from dial-up, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I remember mm-hmm. getting DSL, and that was a big deal. Cause like We were like one of the first of my friends that like had DSL, so people used to come over. Same with TiVo. We were like, I swear to God, we like in 2003, my dad jumped on the TiVo bandwagon first, and TiVo was a humongous thing. And the bloop, 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 I, I can still hear the sounds <laughs> of it. Um my dad was a humongous eBay dude. Like, same timeline, 2001, 2002. The one that I remember the most and the one he got super obsessed with was two things. Candle making. He loved to make, he bought stuff to make his own candles. And then the other one, and I'm seeing this now make a comeback and seeing it all over the internet, is the ear waxing candle. Like, to get ear wax out is like, you literally lay your head down and you stick this candle, like a, nor, a humongous candle in your ear. Mm, no and, life. and... He would buy these things, and we used to have people over all the time, friends and family, and there'd be people, my aunts and cousins and family friends, doing this earwax candle in our house, and all because of eBay. Super weird. Super gross. Super weird. Um, Yeah, it was super messed. And now I'm seeing it come back. What's that? Uh, No, not yet. Sounds like you were a cult as a child. No, 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 no. no. It's cult to Kirk. Oh, it's just trying to get... Earwax out. I was the, the I, was, I was the first one. But um, we're yeah. sacrificing Aunt Joan. Don't tell that. <laughs> where would Aunt Joan go? Oh, her ears go away for a while. Her ears are all cleaned out. Uh, beautifully. The websites too. I remember are ESPN. Hi, and then, Uncle Charlie Manson. Uh, Cartoon Network. CartoonNetwork.com had a lot of like fun interactive yeah. games on it and stuff, and I used to go to yeah. that and all like, the time. Yeah, like so, Dexter's Lab and Ed Ed Nitty were my my shows right here. That stuff all moved with dial up. You like couldn't do it. Yeah, you, it oh, moved so no, damn no. slow. It'd be like oh, it was like oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, love it. Uh, I think we're over to Declan. Your favorite part about you've got mail. Yeah, favorite part. Uh, two things. I love the cast. Dave Chappelle is yep. my favorite comedian of all time, and like. Celebrity death that will affect me the most will be Dave Chappelle, like 100%. And I have, yeah. I, and not to get morbid, but I have a horrible fear he will die young. Like, I, I just have this terrible, terrible, terrible fear he'll I love me some Dave Chappelle. Um, and also Greg Kinnear. I like Greg Kinnear in this movie, who plays um, who, who plays Meg Ryan's uh, boyfriend-husband in, in, throughout the oh, majority of the film. Oh, we gotta talk about that guy. Yeah. yeah. And I've um, got a question about him, too. But and, yes, that's my, a great one. And, my, and to segue to it in the favorite part, I love both of their respective breakups with their first girl, uh, significant others. So Tom Hanks's breakup in the elevator, realizing like he's stuck in this elevator and like this naggy, terrible new, like you think Parker Tom Posey. Hanks sucks. Dude. She sucks. She sucks way more than Tom Hanks. She's I can't terrible. stand her. She's equally, they're both, they're both evil. Yeah. She's not manipulative necessarily. Maybe you don't know because you don't, you don't see her a whole lot through the film, but she's a clearly a terrible person. And that's where he realizes, Oh my God, I can't be with this person. He takes his dog and goes on the boat. And then with Meg Ryan, it's a very like amicable, breakup like they're just realizing like we aren't in love with each other like we aren't good for each other but like it's okay and we're we're good with that i loved that mm-hmm. their respective breakups each how they happened i, w- I was a big fan of it All right. 
Uh, Joe, what was your least favorite part about You've Got Mail? Actually, Declan just started down the path <laughs> that I want to get to, okay? I think if Meg hadn't had the exact same breakup in Sleepless with Bill Pullman atop the restaurant, I might have bought this more. The exact the same exact, breakup. Yeah. Oh, we're breaking up after being a couple, and you know we talked about having kids, but now we're breaking up. That's fine. Okay, so that takes me down this path, though. Okay. All right. And it's really Kathleen Kelly as a whole, <laughs> Meg Ryan's character. After she gets stood up, at the restaurant slash coffee place. And she does not know that Tom Hanks, who then shows up, who had shown up and she was disgusted to see, was actually her email, you've got mail friend, okay? She acts like being stood up while it hurt her was no big deal and continues to pursue the relationship and email with this guy continually. Yeah. There is no way any self-respecting human being, male or female, would allow that to just go off their back like, no problem, you didn't show up. I'm sorry. I mean, this character is written, Meg Ryan deserves, and she did a great job, but she deserves better. Like, your writing is, well, he stood her up. She doesn't know it was Hank's Joe Fox, and so we're just going to continue on and go, and go down the path. You know what you would have said? I mean, a young Declan Goff or Phil Mackey back in this day would have been like, oh, okay, if you're going to stand me up, I'm done now. And yeah, Kathleen I, I Kelly's generally, just like, no problem. I always had the mindset, and I'm very happily married now and have outkicked my coverage. But when I but when I was a single guy, I would like there were certain situations where I would tell myself, like, let's say I would reach out or whatever, and then they would they would either not get back or or let's say we were supposed to hang out or something and they had to cancel last whatever, right? There are certain situations where I would tell myself. I will never reach out to them again until they reach out to me because mm-hmm. the ball is in their court now. Yeah. And so I'm with you. In fact, I'm going to transition because Judd and I are just like in sync on this review of <laughs> You've Got Mail. Um, my least favorite part of this movie sort of stems from the quote from Kathleen Kelly at the very end where where Joe Fox and his dog Binkley are, are walking through the park Great. and – he shrugs his shoulders and it's like, yeah, it's been me the whole time, right? And her quote was, and maybe you have the audio of this. Don't her cry. quote was, Shop girl. Don't cry. I wanted it to be you. I wanted it to be you so badly. That right there. I wanted it to be you so bad. Really? You wanted it to be him? You hated him throughout the entire movie. So you hated you hated the 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 the, I love the Joe where you're Fox. Going. That, Let me just say that right now. You hated the Joe Fox that you knew in person because of all, and she said all these horrible things about him, right? And then, okay, well, what about the Joe Fox that she knew online? He stood you up. There's literally nothing about Joe Fox that isn't terrible in your life, right? Yes. Or manipulative. Wouldn't she also? Wouldn't she be mortified in that moment when she and she's kind of you can tell her little Meg Ryan facial expressions or kind of trying to crinkle her face, figure out what's happening, right? Wouldn't you be mortified if you came to the realization in that moment? Oh my God, this guy has known for weeks, weeks. Yeah, yes. That he's been chatting with me online. I didn't know. That's amazingly manipulative. Like I wouldn't just be falling into his arms and saying, I wanted it to be you the whole time. Yes. Unless she's just looking to tap into some of that Joe Fox uh, net worth, which but, could be. But then she would have. But then we would have gone down this path quicker. I, 
Do you know what this is, too? So here's the frustrating thing about the relationship, okay? You know what this was in, in – this just occurred to me, but it's true. This was in some ways a remake of when Harry met Sally, and they didn't get along, and they clashed. But they clashed over normal stuff that people clash about, right? Like they were – they had differences of opinions and views. And I think that film is marvelous, and Billy Crystal is great. But this was like, let's make Harry a serial killer and see what happens. <laughs> You know, let's make let's Harry, make him a sociopath. Yeah, let's yeah. make exactly. Let's make let's make Harry a horrible human because you know he's a <laughs> the Billy Crystal character is is odd and quirky, but ultimately sort of lovable because of that. So they're, they're like, let's make Joe Fox. You're right. You're exactly right. A sociopath and see where that goes. All right, Dex. What was your least favorite part of this movie? Uh, least favorite part is is the scene in the coffee shop and Meg Ryan really not putting the two and two together, and then. Also, when they when she returns back to the bookstore the next day to explain that she got stood up, and then her coworkers make up the conspiracy theory that that guy on the roof or the the what was it? I wrote, had it written down, not the murderer. Was it a murderer? Yeah, uh, yeah, the rooftop murderer. killer, the rooftop killer. Yeah. Was like, oh, it was probably him. It was probably like, so you weren't able to put together that this guy is. It, it's probably Tom Hanks, and then your friends are just like, or your coworkers are. It, it was probably a rooftop killer, and and she kind of buys it too. I, I just. I didn't like that part in the movie at all. Like, because clearly it was pretty bleeping obvious that it's going to yeah. be Tom Hanks. It was going to be Tom Hanks. So I, 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 I had a tough time with that scene. All right, least believable, Judd. Least believable the part end. in this movie. Yeah, the end. There's no way that the end works. I wanted it to be you. You have de- you have destroyed this woman's life. And by the way, Joe Fox, congratulations, you won. Like, your store is going to be successful. In fact, my prediction is that store uh, didn't go out of business till 2014. But, you know, if you look at the end of that film, and that's really how you end it with, you know, I wanted it to be you. And that guy has treated her like garbage for the entire film. No self-respecting person would say that. Uh, that to me was the was the least believable. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go a, a little bit of a different twist on this. I think the least believable thing was that Joe Fox's life doesn't make sense to me. So I started doing some digging on what. So the, uh, in the production notes, uh, Fox Books was originally they wanted it to be a Barnes and Noble, and Barnes and Noble said no. <laughs> so so Fox Books and everything about Fox Books, it's a five level bookstore with a with a coffee shop, you know, in it, which all, the Barnes and Noble always had Starbucks inside of them, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so Joe Fox and his, I, I, presumably his father as well, but like their family owns and runs a multi-chain, like multi-location, massive book conglomerate. Okay, mm-hmm. and so uh, Barnes and Noble in 1998, if if Fox Books is indeed Barnes and Noble, Barnes and Noble in 1998 generated. Three billion dollars in revenue. Wow. Leonard Riggio was the longtime chairman of Barnes and Noble from like the early 70s all the way through like the early 2000s. And according to public records, he was in the public records I found only go back to like 2006. So they didn't really cover the heyday of Barnes and Noble, which was the late 90s, early 2000s. But even then, he was making over a million dollars a year in chairman slash CEO salary. So Tom Hanks, presumably Joe Fox is pulling in like in the late nineties, that dude's probably pulling in a million dollars a year minimum. And maybe even more than that with, 
with business arrangements, right? And yet, and yet, okay, he's with this horrible, not even if I could just, not even that great looking, like this woman that he's with is just a devil, okay, uh, for one. And, and two, why is he like resorting to anonymous, weird, like, Early internet chat rooms to find dates, right? The whole thing. He's got some issues. It's all weird. Like, this dude would be sought after. This dude is loaded. Like, he would have plenty of options in New York City in the late 1990s. So his his life doesn't really make sense to me. Fair enough. Yeah, I I would say I I flip-flopped my favorite and least believable. So the least believable part is the thing I I went into at the rooftop. My least favorite part of this movie was that it it was too long. And I wanted more Dave Chappelle. I just, I, I, that's just a selfish, that's just a selfish move on my end. I, sure. I love me some Dave Chappelle. I want a little more of him. Um, cause it was kind of a more serious role. Like he was, it wasn't, he, I mean, he was a little cheeky and funny, but he wasn't normal yeah. Dave Chappelle. Um, and I love that. I love when he actually plays not his, not his normal sticky self. So I, I, I want a little more Dave Chappelle. But yes, the least uh-huh. believable part with that whole rooftop killer thing doesn't make any sense to me. We also have the cheesiest part. I think we can all agree it's probably the last scene. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, if anyone has a dissenting opinion. And um, if, if you went, so if this film, if this script had not had Hanks and Chappelle, it could have been a very dark film. Yeah. Like it would not be hard to spin this into a dark film. Yeah. Because it's Hanks. Because like think the, about the Hanks. Version of like, to, like Joe, but like Joe Fox is an awful guy. Like, like Joe Fox, if you cast somebody else, a different actor is Joe Fox. Yeah. Like that guy could have. I mean, I don't know. He was sociopath. He could have killed people. Yeah. Uh, all right, I got some production notes for you guys. A lot of interesting stuff off this movie here. Okay. Uh, so, in order for their roles to feel authentic, both Meg Ryan and Heather Burns, who plays Christina, worked at an actual bookstore for a week prior to filming. You imagine mm. just walking into a bookstore and Meg Ryan <laughs> and is Christina's her filming? friend in the bookstore, the younger friend. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Okay. Yeah. The filmmakers originally wanted to use a real-life Barnes & Noble for Fox & Sons books, but the chain said no. A recently closed Barney's location was used instead. Uh, Dave was actually offered the role... Dave Chappelle. Uh-huh. Dave Chappelle was, was actually offered the role of Bubba in Forrest Gump, oh. but turned it down good. in 1994. Yeah, it's good, a good role for him to turn down. Yeah, good, good job, Dave. He got another chance to him. work with Tom Hanks, playing his friend Kevin in You've Got Mail. The shop around the corner wasn't actually a bookstore. In real life, it was Maya Shaper's Cheese and Antique Shop. The filmmakers thought it had the right vibe, so they sent the owner on vacation for a few weeks, transformed the space into a bookstore, and then put everything back where they found it after they were done filming. <laughs> I wonder how, how much they how gave that? the person to go away on vacation. I hope they got paid good. It's kind of like because you're shutting your store when down. The, when the Ryder Cup was here, all kind like Tiger Woods and all these top, you know, multi-gazillionaire golfers would do that with work. They would, they'd rent home, a yeah. home for an ungodly amount of money on Lake Minnetonka for like a week or two. Yep. And then they would, in some cases, have all of the furniture taken out of the house and replaced with new furniture. Mm-hmm. And then once they're out, the house looked like no one was ever there. So that's what they did with this antique shop in the, in I think it's the Upper West Side. It was. Is where yep. this movie was yes. filmed. So, all right, uh, definitive hey, relationship wait, rankings. Did, oh. did you guys see when, when they're in, in a Starbucks buying coffees? What in nineteen ninety eight? Approximately what the price of a Starbucks? Two ninety five. Yeah, Two ninety five yeah. for a Starbucks. Yeah. What's that's that now? <laughs> Six, <laughs> eight. Oh man. What's a Starbucks yeah, now? Well, like I, I, honestly, a, a normal black cup of coffee is 
three dollars at Starbucks. Right, but they're not getting a normal black cup, cup of coffee. They're they're talking about they're getting the some specialty special. drinks. Yeah, yeah, specialty five drinks. Five to six. six five yeah, to six. Some of that. Two ninety five, baby. Yeah. Oh, and and when Meg Ryan's friend uh, is t- talking about the fact that before the bookstore actually does close, and it's being threatened. And there's one point where she says, if I don't have this job, I'm going to have to get a part-time job somewhere and move yeah. to Brooklyn. Think about that now. Everyone's gone to Brooklyn. Like, Brooklyn's become the place to be. And at that time, it was like, oh, Brooklyn's a cesspool. No one wants to go to Brooklyn. I thought that was great. Yep. yep. Uh, all right. So we have two different rankings here. We've got definitive relationship rankings, and we're looking for a 1 through 10 score. And the criteria is just chemistry between the characters. Mm-hmm. So Joe Fox and Kathleen Kelly. So far, we've done five rom-com reviews. Hitch and Sarah are leading the pack with an 8.8. Ben Barry and Andy Anderson from How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, 8.3. Ben and Lindsay from Fever Pit, 6.7. Melanie and Redneck Jake from Sweet Home Alabama, a 6.2. <laughs> and Sam and Annie from Sleepless in Seattle, a 3.3, because they were really never on screen together. Correct. So. Uh, all right, Joe Fox and Kathleen Kelly, one through ten. How would you rate their chemistry? So I don't like the characters. Like I don't like how the characters are written, but the chemistry between the two actors is phenomenal. So I'm going to invoke a um, a split here and say that while I actually don't think the characters are good people because one's stupid and one is terrible, uh, the chemistry between them ends up being fantastic. And I'm going to give them an eight. Okay. Like I thought the chemistry is the. I mean. At that time, Hanks and Ryan were fantastic together. Yep. I'm, I'm going to give them an eight. Yeah, I also am as an eight. I think it's 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 pretty strong. I, I've, there, there's bickering and there's a little bit of cat and mouse chasing. And I, you guys have stronger opinions on the manipulation of Fox than I do. I, I don't think it's that crazy, in my opinion. It's definitely manipulation. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Uh, but I, 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 I do think it's an eight. It's an eight. It's a nine for me. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. it's fantastic. It's a nine for me. All the reasons you guys said which means it's an 8.3 composite score tied with How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days pairing. And that brings us to the overall entertainment value of this rom-com. To this point, Hitch is our top movie at a 9. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, 8.8. Sleepless in Seattle, 7.2. Fever Pitch, 6.3. And Sweet Home Alabama, a 6. Judd? Declan hit on a key point. The film is too long. It just it drags. It's, it starts it's to drag. Long, it yeah. starts to drag. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love the chemistry between the characters, but the actual film itself to me is not it's not as good as Sleepless. Uh, and it's nowhere near when Harry meets Sally, which I know does not involve Tom Hanks. I'm giving it a six. Wow. I'm, I'm going to okay. dock it. There's there's a lot about the film. I will dock. Um and I will make that up by saying the chemistry between the characters was great, but I rewarded that already. So I'm going to dock the film itself and say wow. that the late Miss Efron did not give, with all due apologies to the dead, her best effort here. It's a six. <laughs> all right, Declan? Uh, I, I like this film. It is too long. It's the first time I saw it. I would like to watch it again down the road. I It's, a, it's very cute and adorable. I think it's an eight. I think it's an eight out of ten. Um, it, it's, it's probably, it maybe leans a little bit too good on the movies we like to review. Like it, it's a, it's a pretty good movie. Honestly, I think it's a, it's a pretty damn good too, movie. Sleepless is too as well. Yeah. But for me, it's an eight. I think it's an eight out of 10. I, I enjoyed myself. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm higher on this movie than, than you guys. It's a, it's a nine for me. This wow. is, this is an iconic movie. 
I didn't this, see this it going this way. Okay, it, it's iconic because of Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. It's iconic because of it sort of ushers in the internet age. I guess you could say that the net with Sandra Bullock a couple years earlier might have ushered in the movie internet age. But you know, the, what when about you war think games? Of like, there's probably a few. <laughs> but when you think of like iconic internet movies yeah. from that era, this is on the Mount Rushmore for sure. So uh, right. and it's it's wildly entertaining. I, I don't get offended by two hour movies. Like Judd does, but um, our composite score is seven point seven, which makes it the third most, I guess, entertaining rom com we have reviewed so far. I have a question: What happened to Greg Kinnear? Um, Craig Kilborn, Greg Kinnear. There's yeah. there's people who have disappeared from, for the most part. No, oh, do we do a Google? He, he was he was uh, you know Little Miss Sunshine. He plays the dad in Little Miss Sunshine. But that's how old now? Um, that's yeah. I mean, that's fifteen years. And on Talk Soup, old. he was. Absolutely fantastic, but that's 25 years ago probably now. It has been a long time since he's, since he's been in. Little Miss uh, Sunshine was great. Actually, great he's, he's, he's been in a ton of stuff. Uh, of, of late, so He's though? been in, The TV, yeah. this TV oh, okay. series, The Stand. I don't watch The Stand. Okay, then I've what, just missed it. What that is. But, uh, I mean, he's been in, like, at least. House of Cards. He was in four movies in 2019. I've never heard of any of them. Oh, I had no and idea. He's been, he was on one of the the new Twilight Zone episodes in 2019. He was in an episode of House of seven episodes of House of Cards in 2018. Yeah. Okay, so I've just missed him. Yep, that's a me problem. So he's been doing a ton of stuff. Um, yeah. All right. For next week, should we keep the rom com rewind? Yeah, sure. Streak going. Yeah, do a, go I'm a little run. Never going to complain about a good rom com. All right. So well, actually, I will complain, but that's after the fact. A few that we have on our list here. The ones that we talked about last week were while you were sleeping with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, which. Solid. I think Bill Pullman is also in that movie. Yep. The American President. Let's like, let's go. We, those are two of the ones we had last week. So while you were sleeping, or the American President. Which is shorter? Wow. Uh, American so President runtime is two hours and nine minutes. While you were sleeping, is a, is an hour and forty. So I have we'll a while, while you were sleeping. sleeping. <laughs> okay. All right, well, and while you were sleeping, will be great fodder, great okay. fodder. Sandra Bullock, Bill Pullman. I saw it in the theater. You guys have, ne- you guys have never seen it, so no. Judd has. Saw seen it, it in the theater. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. I think Dex is going to have a lot, a lot to say about this movie. All right. So while you were sleeping, while next you were sleeping. week on Ron Comey, right, and that's a wrap on today's episode of Mackie and Judd. Thanks for hanging out with us, and uh, thanks for turning in your man card at the beginning of this episode along with us. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.